For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Greenlit, the Buffalo 8 podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Halderman, and each week we're going to dive into a different piece of content, film and television, and we're going to talk with some of the biggest names in front of and behind the camera as we dive deep into how they were financed, produced, developed, marketed, and the crazy stories behind how many of them got made. Welcome back to Greenlit. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Creed Bratton. Most of us know Creed as his name suggests from playing the character Creed on the hit show, The Office. Creed was introduced to me by his manager, a colleague of ours who we've known for a number of years, who thought it'd be interesting to chat with him because Creed's on the verge of releasing a new album. When we were preparing for this interview, Creed actually said, can we throw all the questions and the prepared outline out the window and just have a conversation? I think the result ended up being probably the most fun uh, conversation that I've had in this series to date, and I hope you'll end up feeling the same. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Creed Bratton. Welcome back to another episode of Greenlit. On today's very fun, very special episode, I'm chatting with Creed Bratton. So Creed, first off, thanks for joining us, man. My pleasure, Matthew. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you and uh, would love, again, I know we'll get into the office and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that, but obviously I see the guitar right there behind you in the office space you're in, which I love. Uh, and your background in music was one of the most enjoyable parts of prepping for this conversation and honestly listening to the grassroots and realizing how many of those songs are so unbelievably iconic and you hear them constantly and they're amazing. And I would love to just hear a little bit about how that band came together. As I said to you, I had done some research about you and how you obviously have a musical background, but would love to just hear how that band came about, Creed. My understanding is you played guitar on four albums starting in the 1960s, were a big contributing member to that band and many of those songs that people recognize. But let's start there before we even go into the office of it all those albums, that era, and how exciting that era is for music and how amazing it must have been. It was um, the best of times and not really the worst of times because it was the summer of love. It was 1967, 68, 69, early 70. And uh, I had been been back from Europe. I had traveled out of college, uh, left college of the music, uh, played music to get through college was a uh, drama major and I uh, went to Europe and uh, met these two guys in Munich. We started a group called the Young Californians and we ended up going all the way down to North Africa, across North Africa, ended up in Israel. Uh, I went through the Red Curtain countries, uh, Scandinavia, ended up living in England, starving. Finally met this guy in LA that I had met in Israel. Was a, we were working on a kibbutz and I ended up working on a film. Frank Sinatra, John Wayne, Santa Berger, Yul Brenner, went on and on. And uh, 
we uh, we parted ways in London. I ended up weighing about 145 pounds. I'm 185 now. So uh, you can see. You, you slimmed out. I slimmed out quite a bit. Uh, but I called the guy, to call this girl that I'd met in London. She was living there. And uh, I got, got connected with this guy. We started a band called The 13th Floor. We ended up about a year later playing at the London Fog on Sunset. And uh, Daniel Records heard about us and brought us in. And we demoed a song that Warren and I had written called Beating Around the Bush. And then we tried uh, Live for the Day. And Warren and I played guitars. Uh, Larry Nectical was there, I, was, I remember. Hal Blaine. And uh, Joe Osborne wasn't because my friend Bobby Ray played bass on, on Live for the Day. And all of a sudden, this song just goes crazy. We're off. We're off. So we just traveled around, started out in a, the back of a van, then went, ended up to, on a tour bus, then we were flying. At the end of the tours, we, we were flying around. And, I love it, man. Uh, but I got frustrated because um, I could play, and uh, I'd come back from tours, and the tracks were cut by the wrecking crew. They're great players. I love them to death. Uh, but it was frustrating for me, and I complained and uh, wanted, wanted to contribute more. That's, I'm an artist. I want to contribute more. Yep. So we finally decided, well, if you don't, you're not happy, take a settlement and you can leave. And I, that was it. I didn't fight it. I didn't argue with it. I said, okay, just did. And I uh, went off to Europe again for about another year and a half. I was married then with my little daughter. Saw some friends, tried to get a deal again. Nope, nothing going on. Went back and studied acting, the Meisner method. Um, did a lot of film and uh, not a lot of film, a few films, but some a lot of television stage. Got an agent, John Crosby. And then I said, I started working. Uh, met Bo Bridges and he put me on as a stand in. And uh, he's a great guy. And did me, he gave me a leg up there. A wonderful, wonderful man. He, 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 uh, he knew my backstory and I think I'd played for him on a musical and, uh, and that's how I started out. But I got the, when I, ben, I'd been studying acting, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to do it because I was good at it, even as a young kid. Uh, so I was working uh, off and off doing all kinds of odds. I was working on Bernie Mac. And uh, they were giving me little bits and was making people laugh. Ken Quapus came on the show. And uh, he, I'd heard out through the first uh, AD, Joe Moore. Uh, that he was starting the the office place, an American the office, an American workplace, and they were going to do the Ricky Gervais show, which I loved. So I did something I'd never done before. I called uh, Ken up and I said, "Is there any way I can get on this show?" Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S. based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And he uh, he said, well, you're a really funny guy. He said, uh, let, me, let me talk to Greg Daniels about this. So they gave me a shot. They put me in the background. They told me, here's our plan. We're, we think you're great, but we've already cast everything. We want to see if we can work you in the mix somehow. Within two weeks, I realized <clears throat> the writing on the wall. There are some young kids, hungry kids, wanting this. And, uh, and I felt very comfortable with everybody. My intuition said, I, I belong here. Mm. You, know, you know how it is. You, you, of course. Trust, you trust your intuition. It's like playing a guitar. And you start to go to the, the matter. And you go, well, wait a minute. Something's leading you the other direction or over here. And, and it works out. Right. So the little voice said, shoot your own uh, demo. Shoot your own audition. I didn't tell anybody. I went uh, with my buddy Joe Moore. I shot it. I wrote all this, this stuff out. I did. Um, basically, I had to go to the part of me for the character. I incorporated a Jacques Tati walk. I had a little chaplain in there. The facial stuff I put, I mixed, uh, and people think, oh, <laughs> Creed. No, no, no. He, it's, it's, a, it's put together. It's an acting job, piecing funny stuff together. Hmm. So I had Bob Newhart and Jack Benny, uh, Johnny Carson. I had all these little things that made me laugh. And I tried to make a montage. And then I, then I, then I morphed it into this, this guy. So. Uh, someone making soup that, that's 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 the guy right most of the time i'm pretty laconic and just kind of lo low-key and i play my good music but on that show um the you never knew when the camera was going to hit you so the camera would go and sometimes it just might go right in on you so you had to be you had to be ready to go you right had to be, you had to be in the character so for eight and a half years i was i did that guy and I'm, it was great. It was great. But now uh, it's a mixed blessing because I'm getting movies, but few and far between. Most of the things I off, I'm offered are the guy, the, the Creed character. Right. And I've uh, done, uh, I did a movie called Terry with John C. Riley and uh, Jacob Bukowski that uh, Azazel Jacobs directed. Uh, Patrick DeWitt wrote that. And uh, that went to Sundance, and, and, I, and it was very well received. The people that saw it, I, did, I, I nailed this character. And I'm thinking, here we go, Matthew. They're going to see now what I can do. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Can you, can you do the Creed character again? <laughs> right. can, I, can, I, can, I, can I take you back? And it's, it's awesome. It's, 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 it's amazing to just see sort of the pulling on the creative thread leading to this really fun story. Oh, he's take such me, a fun guy too. You know, yeah, I love so fun. So take fun. me, take me back to, so you're the young Californians, then you're playing the London fog. Then you're trying to do, you're, you're putting live for the day together. I mean, it's funny enough not to go on a tangent, but the wrecking crew, the Danny Tedesco movie. Yes. We're actually, we're actually working with Danny Tedesco on a movie now called immediate family, which is about the guys that did it in the next generation in the seventies and eighties, the guys right. that played on you know, Jackson Brown and the Eagles and uh, Don Henley. And so we're actually working with Denny on that and hearing that story is just so awesome. How those well, guys please, were. Please say hi to Denny. I, will. I, I got invited to the, um, one of the reasons I, I got invited to the thing is well, not because of just the grassroots, but the grassroots were the first band to put, the name of the Wrecking Crew musicians on the back of our album. That's cool. The, nobody had done it. The Beach Boys hadn't done it. The Birds hadn't done it. Nobody had done it. You know, they'd all, it was actually the hush, hush secret. There's a book um, by uh, Kent Hartman. It's a really, really good book on, on the Wrecking Crew. And they discussed yep. that in there. I eventually I got invited uh, to Nashville for the Musicians Hall of Fame where I inducted the, the Wrecking Crew in the Musicians Hall of Fame. Because of that, well, I was on the office, and I was a musician, but we had done that thing. So, right. Yeah. Is that us or you? Not on me. I think it's on your side. It's probably... Something safety, on your phone, maybe? It's safety alerts. No worries. It's another curfew. I haven't gotten one yet here. Which part of L.A. are you in right now, Creed? Studio City. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Creed Brand is exempt. Okay. So, <laughs> so That's there's, perfect. There, there's perks. There's perks to being me. I love that. So um, I was I was I was I was saying so it, London Fog, Live for the Day, the song blows up. Yep. You sign a deal. Are you guys on a label? Is there a big manager? Are you touring? What we was have that a manager, like? Jerry Cohen. We're oh yeah, we're we're like we're touring all the time. We're playing yeah. with the Beach Boys. We're playing with the Doors. We're playing with Cream. We toured with Cream for like several tours down down south. We played with everybody. Hendrix. We played Devonshire Downs. Where there was two hundred thousand people there. That was monumental. That was the biggest crowd I'd ever played for. Fifty thousand Miami Pop Festival before that. We, we played, remember playing Mount Tamalpais uh, in San Francisco when we first started. Everyone was on acid. I mean, everyone was acid. I saw Janis Joplin on the back of a Harley. He brought it to the stage. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was insane. Uh, I didn't drop acid myself till later at the Fillmore, but that's, that's another story you can research. That's, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? It's, 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 at the time, it seemed like a, a professional faux pas, but right. actually, it's, it's turned out very well for me, I believe, doing, that, doing that. How many years, Creed, were you in the grassroots total? And for the, Hearing all of those tours with all those unbelievable four. musicians. Four, four years. years. Yeah. Got it. Got it. It's, it's awesome. 
And then you said I did four albums with them. Yep. And now I'm releasing my ninth, my ninth studio album called Slightly Altered. And that comes out on July 17th. The single uh, Chance You Toad comes out on the 12th of this month. Great. So we're going to be sending out downloads. I'm waiting for the vinyls to come because it's such a cool record. And it's got such really, uh, really, really interesting artwork. I don't know if I've got any artwork in here. Nope, nope, nope. Nothing here to show you. But I, but I could show you. Hang on a second. I will show you. Want to see it? Yeah, please. I'll, yeah, hang on a second. I'll show it to you. Hang on. This is good. Well worth it. Well worth it. Uh, uh, this is a 57 uh, country and western. That's awesome. 57 country and western I got from Dan Schwartz. We worked on the bounce back album together. I can't bring my thing around to show you. I'm in my office now, but I just bought this uh, varsity from Magnetone and they make some great amps. Yeah. This is a great app. I've been playing my, my Strat and my uh, uh, 69 Bluesbird through. And great. it's just, just a one. It's, and, I, and I tell you, I'm, I'm 77 now, but when I plug into a guitar, into a great sounding app and there's that sweet spot, it's on the tone. I'm a kid again. <laughs> a kid again. <laughs> you sound like you're, you're selling me an amp, man. And now, Matthew, here it is. Without any further ado, Chan Chu. I love it. Slightly altered. You can see that I'm, I'm holding my eyes out in front of me. My eyes have disappeared off my body. And on the back is the famous Chan Chu Toad, which is the single. Now, Chan Chu Toad, as most people know, is, is the famous mythological three-legged toad which brings good luck to chinese homes very feng shui you put it around your house facing the door it brings money into your home keeps money out in my uh chan shu toad she's a girl an oriental girlfriend so it's kind of because i like orientals so that's, that's good you know? <laughs> little i love little, it little, little creed little little secrecy <laughs> yes that's right you, you 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 touched on something that I was going to ask, which is that character of Creed is so uh, so specific. And I was curious in that demo that you did, the self demo, mm-hmm. how how much of that ended up being the character versus how much of it came from the writing room and from direction, or how much of it was already fully formed by the time you had already sent in that self demo that you guys prepared. I sang a song in there. I had him. I had the character on a drug overdose pass out in the back of a Greyhound bus, end up end up in a dumpster in Scranton. And Ed Truck found me. This is this is the bit. Ed Truck finds me, brings me in and makes me a salesman, which I'm fucking hopeless at. So so they go, okay. And then all of a sudden they find that I'm psychic. This is the character. And he starts then then I started then then at that time. I added the the uh, the facial tick because Creed's got a little bit of a quiver. It's a celebrating thing, which I think is very funny. It's hysterical. Uh, drove my ex-wife's nuts when I would practice it on, but that's, that's their problem. <laughs> um, so they started out, but he didn't kill anybody. But they all that stuff they added later. You know, he got very dark. He was funny yeah. in mine, but he wasn't as dark as it went later. And uh, I went with every single thing they offered, except they 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 were leaning toward a the pedophile, a pedophile thing once, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, 
you know, I've got kids and stuff, you know, I'm, and I just don't, I don't treat as, I just don't, I'm good enough. We don't need to go there. Michael Scott was able to pull it off, you know, says, I love little kids. It's it's harmless. It's cute when he does it. If the Creed character does it, no, no, it's going to color it the real, the wrong way for sure. I had, I had read that in 05, uh, you were almost written off the show in that famous episode where Michael has to fire someone. Curious if that's true. Curious if it's yes. not true. Yes. Well, at the time, they weren't sure. Uh, it wasn't that they were going to write me off. At the time, they were just, whether, what was I going to make it on? Right. That was the Rubicon, Matthew, that I had to cross at that time. That was a six-and-a-half-page scene with Steve Carell. That took a, a, half a day. We were in mm. there all day long shooting this thing, basically. And uh, I was ready, but I was ready for it. I had been I'd studied acting all my life. I had stayed in class. I tell actors all the time, right up to the, I wasn't high. I wasn't ad-libbing. <laughs> I was in class to, to, when, to we, I, every week I was putting up a scene. So it wasn't like I just blah, blah, blah. No, I was working, memorizing, doing my work. It's all about the work, all about the work. It's very important to tell kids this. So they don't think it's a fly-by-night thing, you know? You feel the same way about your music? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I haven't stopped playing guitar since I was 13 years old. I started working professionally at 17 with these guys guys in their 20s. And uh, played played guitar all the way through college. And even when I was after the grassroots, I went around and did a solo act all through uh, Northern California, the, the uh, Central California, everywhere. I could play a job at little bars, at little restaurants, whatever. I was playing and writing songs constantly, mm. always working at it. I'd work, uh, I was raised that way, the old-fashioned way. I'm old school, Matthew. Well, I'm old, so that's part of it. Yeah, I, I always love the, the quote, uh, you, you got you got to do the work. Everyone sort of looks at it and thinks it's overnight, but you got to do the work, man. The kids now want, they, they go, they do do a couple of classes or see a, something on Google and they want it now. <clears throat> and they, you're right. You've got to do the work. You have to. Um, this, is, this is kind of a cliche question. I know before we hit record, you said, let's throw the script out the window and just fucking ad lib, which I love. And it's been a great conversation because of it. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you favorite office moments in front of and behind the camera. For you personally, for the group as a whole? Uh, I think dinner party. I wasn't in it, but I laughed. I think it was one of the funnier moments I've, I've ever on television. Amazing episode. Uh, the Survivor Man episode. Uh, and actually, I was in that one, too. So I had the great great scene with John Krasinski about the uh, the pie. Made a nice, nice cobbler, you know. <laughs> And we and John uh, showing his director chops at, that, at a young age uh, took me aside. And he said, "Creed, the way we're doing this, I think it should be like more like a David Mamet." I said, "Oh, I like that." So we actually got closer than than they'd planned, and we just started going firing at each other, flat, throwing hardballs. And he laughed. He started laughing one time. He said, "Creed, they can see the spittle. You're." They're concentrating so hard that there's spittle coming up out of your mouth. And I said, yeah. I said, is it working? He said, it's really working. So uh, that's, a, that's a fine moment. Um, anytime Michael, uh, Scott, or Steve Crow would walk in, like with the, the big fat man suit on or prison, <laughs> the, you know, pr- prisoner Mike. Prison or, Mike. Prison Mike. We, we 
all of us would bite the inside of our cheek not to laugh because it's just it was so great. And for me personally, uh, Matthew, um, obviously the Halloween episode where I where I got through that, and I at the time I knew we were flying. It was I said I, this is happening. I could feel it. We were we were. It was working. It was working. Yep. But I don't. I I wasn't aware of it until after the thing. At the time, you're in the heat of the battle. Right. All you can do is let go. The lines are done. You've got to let go and just and, and look at that. Look at Steve's eye and react and just react. That's all acting is. Know the lines and react. And I can't. You can't try to be funny. You better better have it. Better have it down. But the when it aired, uh, I was at craft service and John and Rain uh, came through over there. And I had a cup of coffee and they came over to me like this and grabbed me and said, "You knocked out of the park, buddy." It's excellent. That was excellent. That was excellent. And of course, um, being the manager, getting to do the manager, and that, that was so much fun. Long overdue, the, that, that amount of stuff. And then, of course, playing my song, my original song. A lot of people don't know I wrote the, uh, the song I played in the finale, All the Faces. And I wrote that. That was the first song I wrote after I left the grassroots. I, had, I wrote that in 1970. Wow. And it was way ahead of its time as far as the, one of my spiritual songs. And I do, I, I have to say, I write a lot of uh, plaintive lyrics, songs about expression, finding yourself, spirituality, um, sticking with it, positivity. I'm a real, I'm a real uh, bluebird of happiness, Matthew. <laughs> you, you mentioned, Creed, that when you, when you came in and you did something you never had done, you had reached out and asked to, if you could be a part of it. And there were young, hungry kids that wanted to be in this show. The writer room, the writer's room of this show always felt so ahead of its time. The people that were in it, the ideas, the sensibility, taking of the British humor and adapting it for an American audience. But it's such an interesting time in network TV. Did you get the sense that this thing was just huge and that the writer's room was the pushing boundaries and that you guys as an ensemble were totally pushing boundaries comedically how did that click when did it click did any did it ever get to everyone's head how did, how, i mean it, it just it exploded and it felt like you know you mentioned the summer of love i think of music and that moment in time being such an unbelievable intersection of things happening that really can't happen again no. the office feels like that as well in so yeah. many ways did you feel it i guess i guess i'm sort of forming my own question in real time did you feel that then with the late 60s early 70s with music scene and did you feel that same thing in the office especially as it was building made did you make any connection between those things and how did you keep it as a group in both musically and at the office even kill wow that's that's a um no that's a really good question that's really good okay okay music um at that time there was so much uniqueness in the music. If you heard a song on the radio, you knew who it was. That's War. That's Eric Burton. That's the Grassroots. That's the Doors. Blah blah. You knew who that was, the way it was. Now it all sounds the same. I can parallel that to TV too. As far as the consciousness of the of the of the country was concerned at the time, we truly believed, and I certainly did, that we were on the verge of a paradigm shift in consciousness that if every single person, this wasn't just drugs, this is prevalent 
among the psyche of the youth at the time, that if we could forget about United States, Europe, China, Russia, and realize that we are human beings on a planet working together, that love will heal this thing. We really <laughs> felt there was like a, a song that could, boom, make that make that shift and of the consciousness where we're all, and I still believe it can happen, but we've backslid a lot since the 60s. And I think yeah. when you see these riots, it's, uh, it's harbingers of, of this stuff occurring again. Now, did, I, did we know this was happening at the time? In the music aspect of I knew this is monumental because when cops are harassing you because of your hair, it's, you, you know there's a reaction going on. As far as the office is concerned and that show being part of the zeitgeist like it is now, at the time, some of my fellow actors say, oh, yeah, I knew. I could tell. I could tell. No. I, I'm just there working. I'm just there working. I didn't get out of myself and say, oh, it's maybe the third season, third or fourth season, you're in New York, staying at the Biltmore, and and they're, ah, and you, people see you, and they go, and then, then you start realizing, oh, my God. But up until that moment, no, I didn't. And uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted like everyone else. How could it be? How could that synergy occur? How how could uh, the writers and the actors and the, the people that shot the film make it seem like it was all just spontaneous improv, casual? Just make we made it look easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's when it's not. It's like yeah. a good song. It's like a good song. Uh, good writing of a song. It's got to come off effortless. You got to go. Oh, it's it's nice. But anytime you see a little chink in it, 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 all, it all falls apart, the house of cards. And that's right. why so many shows today, you start watching them, you go, no, no heart, no heart. I think one of the reasons uh, that our show uh, did, did better, and I don't know if it's did better or not, but I think stayed on so long, and I, I really feel strongly about this, is that Michael Scott's character in the beginning had, was more loving. He was funny and clueless, and kind of nasty sometimes, but there was a little more love there. There was more heart. I just for sure. I think I think that what there was. I hope that answers your question there. It does. It's yeah. it's excellent. It's, I know we're I know we're coming up on time here. Um, I think you've you've answered almost everything I really wanted to talk about. Good. I think what's Good. been what's been exciting about the office is watching it find a second life in sort of the streamer world of Netflix and the streaming platforms. Um, and like you've said it's just an incredible thing to see it live on. You, do you, do you, do you still have super young people, you know, teenagers constantly berating you and, and wanting that character? I, I hope it never stops. I never stops. I know actors get upset by people coming up to them and stuff. Oh, not me. It, 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 uh, just, uh, it just fills my heart with, with, with love and joy that this, this occurred. How lucky. Right. How lucky! I never. And by the way, I never wake up or go anywhere uh, in this world and realize and, and never forget how lucky I am to have that occur to me. Because I never, I never take it for granted either. I, so, so if they stop doing that, it means something's wrong. I'm not doing something right. So I have to. Now that the legacy is put out there, I have to keep going and keep the bar high. Well, bar high for a high jumper, but a bar low for a, for a limbo walker. Uh, 
Well, what, whatever, if your limbo would be low, high jump would be high. You get the yeah. idea. Yeah. But keeping the bar low or high, depending on what you're doing. Yes. But, but I have to do that. Yeah. I love it. That, that feels like the, uh, the clip that we'll play as a teaser for this episode. It's I think, high, I, think, high I, I, I think that's it too. Yeah. I agree. That's good. That's good. See, we have to, we have to wing it, buddy. We winged it. I mean, like you said, you made it look effortless on the show, and you made it look effortless here today in our conversation. Oh, thank you. Hey, uh, guitar. What, what kind of guitar do you play? Uh, so I grew up. I grew up back east, uh, Connecticut, and for New York City area. And I grew up at a time where I was obsessed with classic rock, like really obsessed. Neil Young, uh, really, really into Neil Young you know, deeply. But also, I loved Cream, loved the Beach Boys, loved the Stones, loved Dylan, oh. Bruce Springsteen. Yep. Is like my life very much so even to this day i think of any musician and now being in the entertainment business deeply thinking about what bruce did and how again that lightning in a bottle type moment where it's right person right time right voice but genuine like actually stood behind the message of the music and the ability to craft his band with the e street band the way he did i then i, I was in music before i got into film and television i formed a uh, a band that was more you're, you're gonna laugh but it's it's emo so it's like dashboard confessional ah! uh, type type band. i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we 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 did we did some touring but it was all in like the the new england area um i was in in early high school and then did a couple small little solo records as well that you can probably find uh you know places like crazy enough things what like was the, what, was, what was the name of the band uh, the band was called Time Saves Nine, was the name of the band. I like, uh, it. I like it. I like it. And then uh, I was Matthew Helderman in the A-List band, trying to be like Bruce Springsteen in the E Street band, clearly. <laughs> but so you, uh, had record, you had records out and stuff, too? We did, yeah. But again, that was, it was a different time, right? I mean, it was, it was early 2000s, so the digital sort of disintermediation of music on the internet was this thing that I grew up with. And so you could self-release a record, and we had friends that could help promote them and myspace and mp3.com were these new things where you could promote music um, and itunes was brand new and was really fresh of an idea so you could reach an audience but i was not i was not a musician like you were a musician my friend i will i will, I will leave it at that um why is it i mentioned earlier when you when we heard music in the 60s and early 70s uh that you could hear the different bands and now it's this cookie cutter uh forming this template is, yeah. it the, is it the the business that wants it that way? Is it algorithms that make the music that way? Because they all sound the same, and it's just boring to me. Yeah, what, I, I mean, once, there are groups that come around. You go, oh wow, you know, that's that's fantastic. You know, they got they have a voice. So overly produced. Um, I think you know, Luke, my my partners and I always talk about this, which is we we ask at the end of of each year, we have the full team together, and we'll ask hard questions that people are probably thinking about, but don't want to ask in a, in a team setting. So one of those questions is, is independent film and independent television, is it even cool anymore? It's definitely cool when we were growing up. But to me, it felt like the 60s and the 70s movement of music was what captured the culture intensely. And then the independent film movement of the 80s and 90s was incredibly cool. But then the internet just changed everything, right? It's like you've got people making YouTube videos that get more views than some of the biggest content music and film and television and so to me it's i think the internet just changed the way people channel how they express themselves right the real the real beauty of the 60s and 70s and even 80s and 90s it felt like people were 
genuinely channeling how they were feeling and capturing the consciousness of their communities. And then the business behind it was a real brick and mortar business versus the internet, which is just a, such a different tool. But now you have this, uh, the internet itself as the platform and really the, the driving force of how people express themselves. It's just, it, it, we, we lost, we lost that. Uh, yeah. We lost it during when, that. When you talk with your, your guys and, and, and do you discuss, there's so much content out there. It's yeah. just boggling. How does a better call Saul, which I think to, for my money is even better than breaking bad <laughs> to yeah. say, I think it yeah. is, uh, killing Eve, uh, Ozark, yeah. uh, uh, so unique with their so unique voice. And it's, there's not, you're not spending a lot of money. You don't have to spend a lot of money. It's not, it's not special effects or sci-fi stuff. Why is it so hard for them to come up with the shows like this when you just, they put out so much fodder. Yeah. They just clouds everything up and you can't see anything for it, for all this crap out there. And then occasionally it is, it is, is it, is it lack of, of trying or is it luck or is it, I think it's, I think, think? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the shows you just identified, right? Vince Gilligan, uh, obviously a, a, a genius showrunner, a, a genius Absolutely. creator, but going back to your point about the sixties and music, he had a voice, he had a perspective. Um, same thing when you think about Fleabag and Killing Eve. Phoebe ah, and that, exactly. And she's in everything. Right. She's, but she's got a voice and she's got a perspective. It's those weird moments in the entertainment business when lightning on the business side strikes the same spot as lightning on the creative side. And the person on the creative side just delivers. They've got a voice and they actually come through. I look at it the same way I think about the writing room and Greg and BJ and the people on the office. It's like that doesn't happen no. very, very much. No. And the, in reality, too, is all those writers went on to do great things. It wasn't the fluke. We know how good the writers were, too, you know. Correct. Correct. I saw I saw a little independent commercial being shot on Ventura Boulevard the other day, and Phoebe Waterbridges was doing craft service. I said, you don't have to. She said, work, 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 work. She doesn't. She, no moss on this woman. My God. Amazing. She's definitely hustling, no doubt. She's hustling like crazy. I believe uh, that um, people have gone and tried to do, like uh, people my age have went on to, to country or yeah. they or they just tried to do something else. I, I can't do that. So my, my music is still sounds kind of 60s, kind of, kind of like That's a good thing. from the 60s, you know, because I figured why well, just stick with what I'm doing, you know. There's, there's obviously some sophisticated techniques that uh, Dave Way, my producer, uses, you know. Uh, but still, I'm not trying to go too far away from uh, uh, trying to get a new, make, make a new mousetrap here. Just stick with what works, you know. I get it. I mean, you, yeah. as, my, as my dad would always say, when you grow up in the era of the world's best music, and probably always will be, certainly popular culture music, the rest of it feels like a lot of noise. Pretty much, to, that's a good place to end right there. <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you, Creed. Appreciate the time. I, I, my pleasure. Good luck with your project, man. Thanks, dude. We'll talk bye, soon. Bye, bye. Keep playing, Take care, dude. I will. I will. Take care, Creed. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Greenlit, the Buffalo Eight Podcast. For financing questions, feel free to contact us at Bondit Media Capital 
at info at For production, development, and distribution questions, feel free to contact us at Buffalo 8, info at buffalo8.com. We'd love to hear from you and hope you'll continue listening to the podcast episodes ahead. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.